Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 22nd October 2015. Have a listen please. Welcome dear listeners to this week's Afternoon Satsang. As always, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai with Arvind. We begin by offering our most humble pranams at Bhagawan's Lotus Feet. With this being the week on which we study the Ramakatha Raswaini and it is indeed quite suitable topic to study on this very beautiful day but we'll talk about that after we start by as always taking the name of Lord Shri Ram and praying to him to inspire us to speak about this beautiful Ramakatha Raswaini written by our most beloved Bhagawan. Shri Raghavam Dasharatatma Jamaprameyam Sita Patim Raghukulanmayaratnadipam Ajanubavum Dear listeners and welcome to this episode of Ramkatha Rasavahini. Just the other day, I was watching an episode on National Geographic. They were mm-hmm. speaking about a kind of ants called the army ants in Ecuador. Okay. The amazing thing about these ants is that they are all blind mm-hmm. and they are deaf. So they hear nothing okay. and they see nothing. And yet, it was actually a program called the Animal Countdown mm-hmm. in the most devastating kind of animals, you know, okay. which do the most ferocious predatory attacks. And right there on the top, among the top three, mm-hmm. was this army ant, which is hardly about an inch and a half in size, totally blind and totally deaf. And yet, simply because they exist in numbers together, with unity, they achieve something unimaginable. They are able to bring down prey the size of rabbits and mongoose, you know, which are almost like 8 to 10 million times their size. They just walk as a massive army, sweeping the forest floor clean and they devour anything that comes in their way. Of course, they communicate via uh, chemical substances called pheromones. But the amazing thing is, with this communication, they achieve unity. And with unity, a blind and deaf ant makes it all the way to the top of the predatory pyramid, becoming the most devastating force in nature. And even the biologists and scientists studying these ants, they are in awe. I think one need not uh, go anywhere far from nature to see the power of unity, what unity can do. Unity can transform a diminutive 
handicapped ant into a devastating powerful organism that is what unity does and i think we are also in a point where when that unity gets challenged and that's where the problem starts because we are in the point where two brothers are against each other right now you know we spoke about the character of sugriva entering and how he puts forth to lord rama his problems with his brother so now you know the number of uh, contrasting relationships which are there in ramayana swami has spoken about it many times where he speaks about the unity amongst the four brothers and then there is this a lack of unity disunity right when it comes to vipishana and ravana when it comes to sugriva and vali how these play out and today we're going to talk about how rama comes and you know there is this animosity between vali and sugriva but there is one thing which they are united in there's one thing which makes them equal and that's what rama says did we stop in that point where sugriva goes to the first battle and gets beaten yes that right. is exactly the point we had stopped we had stopped with sugriva coming whining to rama and uh, yeah we also spoke about that amazing uh, revelation that rama does which often pricks our own conscience with regard to our devotion to swami where sugriva once all his bombs are healed he again starts praising rama and rama says sugriva this is not true devotion this is just your own emotion so calm down so get prepared to battle your brother once again that is how rama charges back sugriva and what happens next i think we shall take a little break over here and after the break we shall continue with the ramkatha rasavahini
Sairam, dear listeners, welcome back. We are now in, at that point in the story where Sugriva has been beaten by Vali and he is cringing and crying to Rama saying Rama did not come to his rescue when he needed it most. And Rama tells Sugriva that see, you and Vali both are equal in your love and devotion to me and therefore I was not able to differentiate you from him. And uh, Sugriva is not able to get the subtle hint that Rama is offering there. He says, what do you mean Rama? You know everything in the universe. What do you mean that you could not differentiate between me and uh, Vali. Sugriva is not able to believe what Rama is saying because Sugriva is not able to understand what Rama is saying. What I feel Prem is that when we look at this character Sugriva, we can so much relate to Sugriva because you know Swami says mind is a mad monkey. Maybe Sugriva is not mad but definitely he is a monkey and we are all like that monkey mind when it comes to Swami. How many times we think that Swami is not doing things right because we are not able to understand his wisdom and his glory. That is what is happening with Sugriva here. And actually what happens next is perfect to what we do with Swami, you know. Sugriva then tells Rama that I was thinking till now that you are going to finish off Vali. And therefore I was cool, you know. I wasn't battling, I wasn't using my strength. At least if you had told me that you are going to ditch me like this, you are not going to help me, then I would have fought with all my energy and strength, you know. (laughs) There he is making the absurd assumption that as if if he had fought with his strength, he could have beaten Vali. See, I am reminded of one little story I read in this chicken soup for the soul, that famous Mm -hmm. series of book. In that, a person is writing about when he was a child, his father used to take him out for a ride in the horse cart, which Mm -hmm. they had. So, he would say that he would be sitting on his father's lap and he would be enjoying the sights, the wind blowing into his hair and, you know, the trot of the horses, which was so rhythmic. It used to be a wonderful experience. On one occasion, he saw that his father was holding the reins. So, he just tells, Dad, can I hold that? You know, I want to control the chariot or the horse cart. The father says, of course. And he says, the minute I took it into my hands, things changed. I was no longer enjoying the breeze in my face because every sinew, every muzzle in my face was training at controlling the horse. The reins were so strongly being pulled by the horses that my hands were getting cut. There were tears in my eyes now because I was in pain. I was not enjoying the scenery because I was not looking to any side. I was just looking at the horse. And within 10-15 minutes of doing it, I felt so miserable. The journey which I used to look forward to most became the most pathetic thing in my life. And so he says, I turned to my father and cryingly amidst tears tell, Dad, please you take over. And father would take over the reins and once again I could enjoy. You know, in our life also this is what happens. We think that we can be in control, we can be in charge and take over. We realize that we are too tiny to manage, to be in charge of our lives. That is why we have to offer the reins of our life to our father, to our divine father. This man, of course, he writes further that in spite of that, the next time or some other time when they are going for the ride, when the wounds on the hands have healed and he is feeling good again, again he tells Dad, you know, can I take over? Can I drive for some time? I mean, doesn't it go into your head that last time you suffered? So from now on, at least learn that you are able to enjoy the ride because your father is in charge. The minute you try to get in charge, you will not be able to enjoy the ride. Having experienced this, he said that repeatedly he would take and repeatedly has cut his hands. <laughs> that is exactly the case that happens to us in life. That is what happens with Sugriva also. After having surrendered once again, he goes back to thinking that, you know, I can actually take charge of my life. That is why he tells Rama that, Rama, if you wanted to ditch me, you should have let me know before. Because had you let me know then, then I would have taken charge and you know, I would have fought with all my energy. You know, when I was reading that only, I felt like laughing at Sugriva. Do you think that you will be able to beat Vali with your strength? <laughs> but that is when I realized that this is precisely what I do with Swami also. When I am down and out, I pray to Swami to take charge and Swami takes over and things go so beautifully at the end of which I emerge as a champion, as a victor. Forgetting that it was Swami who made me victorious, that victory goes into my head and the next time again I think that I should be in charge. And again the whole cycle repeats. See, forget breaking the cycle of life and death, punarapi jannam, punarapi maranam. Let us at least break the cycle of ignorance and wisdom and try to remain in wisdom always. Beautiful point and you know, there's this very subtle thing which Swami writes about uh, what Rama says. You know, we've mentioned it before where he's saying that both of you are equal in my eyes. And one thing which Swami says is that's what is Vali's point of view. You know, Vali says that Rama is one who looks at everybody equally. How can he favor Sugriva and not favor me? And Swami says that Rama reflects that feeling first of all. And the other thing is one thing which you mentioned that Swami says that, you know, in devotion both are equal. We'll see that in the next episode where Vali surrenders to Rama. But, you know, Rama mentions that, you know, both of you are equal to me. The other thing is, see, from the point of view of the story, we say that Vali is somebody who 
who has misused his power and Sukriva is the one who has been trampled upon. And many times in life, you know, we do this. From our situation, we look at somebody who is in power and authority and say that, you know, he's an evil person. But we don't know what will happen to us if we have the same power and authority. I think Swami, when he looks at us, he will not just look at us, you know, from the point of view of what we are right now. But, you know, in I think in chemistry, we use that word prochiral, you know, hmm. there's a chiral carbon, but there's a carbon which can become chiral if put in a certain situation. Correct. So hmm. similarly, I think either we are egoistic in the present or we are pro-egoistic or when the power is entrusted, our minds might change. Potential so when, to grow Potential that. to become that. And I think that is what uh, probably Rama is referring to when he says that you and Wali are quite similar. You hmm. know, you are similar, you have the same monkey mind, just that you don't have the power of Wali and you are in, in the receiving end. But probably if you had the power of Wali, you would have reacted the same way. Maybe that is also true and I think many times when Swami looks at us, Swami might be looking at us in that way. You know, when I think uh, in uh, one of his Vahinis, Sandehani Varni, or another book where there's a conversation with, between Swami and the devotee, where this devotee asks, Swami, so many poor people come to you, why don't you lift their poverty and why don't you make them rich? You know, he uses this word, why don't you make them rich? Why don't you make the poor rich? And then Swami says, you know, you are only looking at the prosperity improving, but I know what are all the evils which come with prosperity. So when I am dealing with the rich people, rich devotees who come to me, I am trying to remove those evil from their lives. Why will I give the evil to those, you know, who have reached a situation in life when they actually don't need that money? Why give them the money and give them the evils which come with the money? So Swami says that sometimes I consciously don't make the poor rich because of this. You know, at this point, I feel I should clarify what you are exactly saying to our listeners. Dear listeners, it is not as if Prem is saying that uh, wealth is an evil and people who are wealthy are evil. Power is an evil and people who are powerful are evil. It is not like that. We often associate wealth and power with evil because we see many wealthy and powerful people going behind evil. But there is a very fine distinction and this distinction became clear to me when I was watching an episode from the Mahabharata. Mm. In that episode, actually Mother Kunti, who is also the mother to Karna. So she observes Karna doing something wrong after he has been crowned as a prince of some place right by uh, Duryodhana Duryodhana gives him Anga makes him Angaraj Karna so that time Kunti you know when she is speaking to Karna she is lost in thought she is exactly talking to him the same thing that we are talking now that does power and wealth corrupt a person so much because Karna I know how you were when you considered yourself as a son of a charioteer the humility that you had the way you were the nature that you had was so different and today a crown has come on your head and all that has changed. Power is such a corrupting thing. That is the premise which Kunti starts the discussion. But as the discussion progresses, the conclusion is so beautiful, Prem. You know, Kunti says, no, I am wrong. Power does not corrupt. Because if the crown is supposed to corrupt, then Yudhishthira should have been corrupt. Bhima should have been corrupt because they too have a crown on their head right now. This is before the game of dice, before the Pandavas are banished. They are ruling at Indraprastha. So she says, so a crown does not corrupt. Then what is the difference between you and Yudhishthira? The difference is, Yudhishthira never sought the crown. He got the crown. You have always been seeking the crown. You have been seeking attention. You have been seeking power. You have been seeking influence. So... She makes this point which is so beautiful. I mean, that was how it was shown in the serial that Kunti says, it is not money that corrupts. It is a greed and craving for money that corrupts. It is not power that corrupts. It is a greed and craving for power that corrupts. And if we now come to this case, here too, Sugriva, we see him battling two things. One is, on one side when he is enamored and he is lost in Rama's glory, he is like a true devotee. He doesn't care for power. He doesn't want that. He just wants to be with Rama. But on on the other hand, when his monkey mind comes up, he wants to smash his brother for what he has done because he goes and roars a challenge at Wali. See, if he was doing all as per Rama's bidding, he would have gone humbly and he would have done his job because Rama wants it. That is what actually happens the second time when we read in the Ramkatha Savahini. The second time when Sugriva goes, he doesn't let out a bellow that shakes the whole city of Pampa, that shakes the kingdom of Kishkinda like he did the first time. Because you see, in the first time, that thing is mixed. Along with his surrender to Rama, this thing about the that greed for power and revenge that is mixed in that and that is what corrupts and in that sense Wali and Sugriva are equal as you said Rama is able to see that same that pro-corruption or pro-evil uh, that is there it is there in both of them so that is what Rama is able to see in both of them and therefore he says no and then he says Sugriva you are equal but now I put my love this flower garland of my love on you this shows that you are a special recipient of my love so now you are different from Wali and this makes sense at all the levels because even at a physical
ethical level now you can differentiate because here is one monkey having a garland while the other monkey doesn't have a garland and at a subtle atmic level the difference is already there because as swami writes in the ramkatha rasavahini now when sugriva goes he doesn't go and roar out a challenge he goes and when he's doing it all the while he's having a kind of trepidation because he feel that i am not capable of this at all but yet he is able to challenge wali because he feels rama is there backing me see now the difference though subtle is a very huge difference because in the first case it was a child with the reins of the horse cart in the hand now it is a child sitting on the lap of the father confident that i may not know how to ride but i can just enjoy this ride because my father is in charge yeah, absolutely i think that is the thing you know when you talk about money being evil or wealth or power being evil i think the real evil is that desire to retain you know all problems starts there it's not about having or not having you know those who don't have are happy as long as they don't aspire for it you know the happiness you find in some people who we would define as have nots i mean you don't see that happiness in the people who have crores and who are sitting on on a huge wealth because that swami would often say you know the when you have that wealth and you are guarding it and you're losing sleep over it where is the happiness that you thought you're going to get at the end <laughs> of that wealth you know the problem comes when you say that with power with authority with wealth the evil comes you know this desire to hold on to it this desire to hoard and save it and that is what you know makes you spiral into actions of doing evil things or doing selfish things and i think that tendency is what rama here is trying to point out to sugriva because as we can see you know the events which happen later sugriva does blossom into a much much better devotee you know in the battle with the ravana in the end and in fact much later when rama concludes his earthly sojourn sugriva comes and joins him sugriva is another person who gives up his kingdom and comes and gives up his life along with rama you know that is the state he reaches he starts off like a monkey you know at one moment he's a devotee at another moment he's aspiring for the throne i mean that is the beauty of sugriva's character if we look at it that way because we can so much relate to it you know as you said at one hand we want to control at the other hand we want to surrender one hand we want rama to do the thing on the other hand we want the glory of doing it ourselves really he represents that and i really wish that we too learn and evolve like sugriva because though we might criticize sugriva all said and done he evolved as you said from a monkey to a level where he was ready to give up everything and go along with rama that is what i feel our life also should be about build a friendship with god we have our own desires we have our own weaknesses no problem once we become friends with god swami says tyaja durjana samsargam give up bad company the only good company is a company of god seek god's friendship and once we seek that friendship i think our evolution becomes automatic and we should also grow to such a manner that when it comes finally we should be able to give up everything just for the sake of the lord and when we do that it is not with the feeling that i am sacrificing for the lord it's with the feeling that i am being selfish because this is the greatest gift one can get and this aspect that the greatest gift one can get is to be with the lord will get highlighted again and again even as you know the battle between wali and sugriva begins this time when sugriva goes and challenges wali you know wali gets up and he is a little bit surprised but at the same time he resolves that i am going to give this sugriva such a sound thrashing that he'll never again think of challenging me like the first time his wife tara who is there wali's wife again she wants him you know in the indian tradition it is considered that when a husband is embarking on a task if the wife comes and speaks something against it or something negative of it it's a bad omen and the husband should give it up now instead of sticking blindly to it i feel there's wisdom behind it because you know the masculine and the feminine have different dominant traits and different personality traits and different strengths and weaknesses so therefore a man is only one half of all this the woman is the other half that is why after wedding you know it's often said you and your other half so it is a man and woman together when both the masculine and feminine qualities come together you are able to see a situation in its entirety so while man has some strengths woman has some other strengths and they have to complement each other so if at all a man is blindly rushing into an action based on what he feels is good judgment if a woman is saying no there is definitely some meaning in that and that is why to build up that kind of a feeling in our tradition it is considered a bad omen which means for the time being stop doing that it means it is called abshakun abshakun means a bad beginning like how a black cat crossing your road they say then don't go ahead with the task they say that's a superstition here here also it is condemned as superstition but though it is falsely understood as superstition it is 
is having a deep rationale behind because a woman's way of thinking is different from a man and a woman is able to perceive dangers that a man cannot just like man is able to perceive some dangers that a woman cannot so they have to move in harmony like the two wheels of a bicycle so if a woman says that it is supposed to be a bad omen and you are supposed to stop refrain from doing that the second time now tara is stopping wali and saying you know after you having thrashed him like that if he still coming back you know this is definitely not the time for you to go and fight him but then you know blinded by his own confidence in his strength and power wali tells that i am not a coward and i cannot have the quality of a coward to spurn away from a challenge i have to go and therefore the veils and the wisdom of tara falls on deaf ears and wali sets out to fight sugriva right i think when you look at characters like wali you look at ravana you know otherwise the way the character is sketched out they really brilliant individuals you know with such might with such power even wali is said to be somebody who's uh, who's done a lot of worship whose abilities are like limitless but ravana is like that for that matter you know you to spoken of as having mastered so many arts you wali in fact you know we spoke of him as the child of ruksharaj after that he has annihilated so many demons to right. protect exactly and you know men of such accomplishment but you can see that each one of them are drawn into their doom just with one of their weaknesses. Uh, you know weaknesses in this case for wali it is that pride you know for that point his whole existence or overlordship in that kingdom is his ability to put down his brother it's almost like that he's grabbed his brother's wife with the idea that you know whatever it is belongs to you i'm throwing you out and i'm taking it it's mine so now when that brother is coming that challenging his authority i think he's not able to hold himself back no wisdom is willing to prevail at that point and he is saying that whatever happens i cannot let anybody tarnish my pride this way and uh, with that raudram that anger he just rushes out and a bloody battle begins there sugriva versus wali and there is a difference in the way sugriva is fighting in fact wali is able to perceive sugriva to be stronger but sugriva all the while he is just you know that attitude of surrender is there and he is fighting just to put in his best efforts and with his best effort he is fighting his efforts are no match for wali's strength and valor because you know wali has got this boon that whoever he fights against half of that opponent strength comes to wali right. so wali is always stronger than his opponent that is a boon that is why wali is even said to have defeated ravana so sugriva technically can never beat wali so wali is smashing up sugriva and when all his strength goes sugriva you know following the dictum of do your best god will do the rest that's what he does after having done his best he just says rama and even as he says rama from behind wali comes whizzing an arrow and straight finds its mark at wali's heart and wali the great ape you know huge powerful magnificent just falls crashing to the ground and as he crashes to the ground all the nearby trees collapse it is the fall of a big hero and wali is shocked and he turns back and he sees it is rama who has done it swami writes that though he has fallen he is such a magnificent being that he with the arrow piercing his heart he is still able to get up and sit in such pain also he offers his prostrations to rama and he knows that his death is near and at that point in time there's only one question that is burning within him why did you do like this rama why did you do like this right before coming to that answer i remember once somebody describing some place in uh, andhra pradesh mm-hmm. where it is believed that is the spot where this entire battle happened uh-huh. the region where kishkinda i think the areas around hampi and all is supposed to be kishkinda yes uh, kishkinda and it comes at andhra karnataka border exactly you know there is apparently one particular clearing in the jungle where they have recreated this scene okay. where they have a idol of wali and sugriva fighting and uh, around there there is a rock behind which rama and lakshmana are uh, hiding you know they've made that kind of a setup I, i don't exactly where it is not even seen pictures of that apparently if you see from where the statue of rama and lakshmana is you can see these two ba- battling but if you go to where wali is standing you cannot see the figures of rama and lakshmana oh okay <laughs> so apparently it's that's the scene uh, rama hides behind a tree or a rock and he shoots and the beauty is the first question which wali asks the way swami is worded it it's it's so beautiful and yes. i shouldn't say that it's different from the way wali asked it's definitely that's how wali must have asked the question it is different from the way valmiki has portrayed Probably it probably valmiki and the other writers have portrayed it but the way swami writes it and the way it really must have happened it's like this wali does not ask how dare you do this to me how dare you transgress dharma mm. by doing mm. this he says rama you are the one who is supposed to be the embodiment of righteousness you've come to establish righteousness and everybody looks up to you as one 
one who is the upholder of all kinds of uh, righteous behavior wouldn't the future generations say that here is rama who has transgressed from that dharmic path he shot an enemy down from behind the bushes this according to the indian uh, ancient tradition it's absolutely not acceptable in a battle you are shooting from behind this is considered to be a demonic trait because you would see in the battle with ravana you would cheating see, right you would see that indrajit indrajit takes this kind of warfare he you know makes himself invisible and then he starts firing arrows ravana son right mm-hmm. ravana son this is supposed to be a demonic way of warfare so he says that generation uh, to come will point a finger at you and say that rama did an adharmic act why did you do this you could have come to me and say wali i want to kill you i would have offered myself you know you could have shot me the point blank why did you mm-hmm. have to do this now that's the question wali asks in fact in the ramkatha rasavahini swami further shows the nobility of wali wali says that i know your reality i know you are the lord supreme and i also know that anything that the lord does is perfect in justification of dharma if at all something looks not proper it is because of lack of understanding so i know that you don't do anything without reason you always do dushta shikshana shishta rakshana you protect the good you destroy the sin so though i am not aware of i surely know that i must have done some sin so the first question that wali after asks is and i know i'm going to die now can you let me know what is the sin that i have committed and that is actually the point in time when rama details the whole thing you know telling that it was wrong on your part wali to think that sugriva ran you never gave him a chance to explain you assumed you assumed that he has tried to trap you you assumed that he has coveted the kingdom and taken up your kingdom see do you know in the sense when he took over your kingdom did you see your wife tara and your son angada how well they were taken care it is not that he coveted and took he was forced by his subjects because a kingdom without a king is lost anybody can attack it needs to have a king so the subjects made him the king you never gave him a chance to explain you never heard your own subjects explanation instead you kicked them out one's own daughter one's daughter in law and one's brother's wife all three should be considered as daughters instead you have taken his wife as your wife is that not a sin and then you are supposed to be the king who maintains dharma and righteousness in the kingdom when you yourself are committing such sins what moral authority and right will you have your ruling over a sinful king ruling over that's another sin so these are the sins that wali gets highlighted to and wali accepts that these indeed are sins but still that burning question is there in him as to you know why rama if you had told me you could have come and told me you are a sinner wali come i will come in front of you you could have shot me point blank why did you have to kill me in this manner that is the question wali asks right and these are the various explanation which swami gives but before we going into the details of few of them which swami says in the ramkatha probably we'll listen to what swami says there's a clip where swami gives three main reasons why wali had to be killed that way from behind the bushes so we'll listen to that it's from a discourse during the 1996 summer course 24th of may to be precise so we'll listen to what swami had to say then as three reasons why wali had to be killed that way అనేక మంది అనేక విధములైనటువంటి యొక్క ఆపోహలు గురి అవుతూ వస్తారు హియర్ దర్ సో మెనీ ఇంటర్ప్రిటేషన్స్ రాముని చంపేటువంటి వాడు ఎదురుగా పోయే ఎందుకు వాళ్ళని చంపకూడదు ఇన్ ఫ్యాక్ట్ వై కాంట్ రామా చాట నిలుచుకొని ఎందుకు చంపాడు వై షుడ్ హీ కిల్ వాళ్ళ స్టాండింగ్ బిహైండ్ ద ట్రీ ఏదైనప్పటికీ భగవంతునకు అన్ని తెలుసును గాడ్ నోస్ ఆల్ ఏ కార్యము ఎప్పుడు ఎక్కడ ఎట్ట జరగాలో అక్కడే జరగాలి విచ్ టాస్క్ వేర్ వెన్ హౌ ఈస్ టు బి ఫుల్ఫిల్ ఈ దానికి భయపడి తాను చెట్టు చాటను దాగలేదు ఈస్ నాట్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ ఫియర్ హీ వాస్ బిహైండ్ ద ట్రీ ఏ విధమైనటువంటి యొక్క మార్పు చేత ఏ విధమైన కర్మలు ఆచరించాలో అతనికే తెలుసు కానీ అందరికీ తెలియదు ద ప్రొసీజరల్ ఆస్పెక్ట్స్ ఆర్ బెటర్ నీవు ప్రాకృతి దృష్టితో మాత్రమే నీవు ఇది తప్పు అని భావిస్తావు ఫ్రమ్ ది వరల్డ్ పాయింట్ యూ సే ఇట్స్ రాంగ్ ఇది మొట్టమొదటి మొదటి అర్థం ఏమిటంటే వాట్ ఇస్ ద ఫస్ట్ ఇంటర్ప్రిటేషన్ ఈ యొక్క మృగవిహారార్థమై వెళ్లినటువంటి వారు చెట్టు చాటు నుంచి మృగములు చంపుతారు కనుక ఇతను వాలి మృగమే కనుక ఇతను చెట్టు చాటు నుంచి చంపడం న్యాయమే ఇంకా రెండవది ఏమిటంటే సెకండ్ ఇంటర్ప్రిటేషన్ వాలికి ఒక వరం ఉంటుండాలి వాలి ఎవరో వారికి ఎదురుగా నిలుచుకొని యుద్ధం చేస్తారో ఎదురుగా యుద్ధం నిలుచుకొని చేసేటువంటి వారి శక్తి అర్థం వారికి పోతుంది Therefore, if anyone stands in front of Wali and starts fighting, they will get half the energy. So, if I stand in front, Wali may be recipient of half of my power. So, it's not possible to kill. This is cause. The third reason. Wali is a devotee. Wali is a devotee. Wali is a devotee. 
if i kill him standing in front if i am forced he may say that protect me rama appudu nenu sugrivuniki ichina maata em ayipovali what about the promise given to me inga aneka rakamlainatundi okka vishayamnu taanu yochinchi tanalo swarthama anedi lekapovadam cheta ఆ వాళ్ళని ఈ విధంగా సంవరించాడు బికాస్ ఆఫ్ దీస్ త్రీ రీజన్స్ దేర్ ఇస్ నో ట్రేస్ ఆఫ్ సర్ఫేస్ ఇన్ ద టోరీ ప్రాణం ఇచ్చక పూర్వమే వాళ్ళు గుర్తించాడు దే అండర్స్టుడ్ ఈవెన్ బిఫోర్ అప్పుడు రాముని నమస్కరించుకొని చేతులు పట్టుకొని రామా నీవు చేసింది నిజమే వాళ్ళి క్యాచింగ్ హోల్ ది హ్యాండ్స్ ఆఫ్ నీవు తప్పు మార్గం ఏనాడు కూడా చేయవు యు నెవర్ కమిట్ ఎనీ మిస్టేక్ నా తండ్రి అయినటువంటి బ్రహ్మ నాకు అందించినటువంటి ఈ గుణం నేను ఈనాడు ఉపయోగించుకున్నాను ఐఎమ్ జస్ట్ మేకింగ్ యూస్ ఆఫ్ దిస్ క్వాలిటీ గివెన్ టు మీ బై మై ఫోన్ నేను చేసింది తప్పు కాదు చక్కని రైట్ యు నెవర్ కమిటెడ్ మిస్టేక్ యు ఆర్ రైట్ అయితే హౌవర్ నీ హస్తములతో నేను మరణించాను నేను మరణిస్తున్నాను ఇది నా అదృష్టమే ఐ యామ్ డైయింగ్ ఇన్ యువర్ హ్యాండ్స్ ఐ యామ్ లక్కీ వన్ ఇంట్రెస్టింగ్ పాయింట్ దట్ స్వామి మేక్స్ I'm saying interesting because it it just triggered some thought in me where he says because Rama is not selfish because he is selfless that is why he did this and killed Vali this manner I was just thinking that is so true you know if Rama was selfish you know rather than seek help from Sugriva okay. he could have sought help from Vali and tracked Sugriva out you know there he wouldn't have even had to you know so called in quotes this kind of cheating would not have been necessary because Vali could have simply smashed Sugriva out and Vali is more capable in just think of this prem suppose you are in rama shoes with our own worldly kind of thinking here you have to choose between somebody who has got smashed from his brother doesn't have a kingdom doesn't have anything he is a loser there's nothing i can gain from him on the other hand you have vali who has already defeated ravana once before mm. oh, ravana is scared of him and he is ruling and he has the entire kingdom's resources at his disposal who will be a more better friend for me when i am in need I, i think from a worldly point of view logically vali makes good sense to be a friend but that's what it is you know i feel that is the beauty of difference between the worldly way of thinking and divine's way of thinking i mean rama selects sugriva to be his friend and that is only possible when one is so steeped in dharma that there is absolutely no trace of selfishness at all that is why it is said ramaha vigrahavan dharmaha he is the embodiment of dharma so much he sticks to dharma that there is no selfishness it is just not only the case that he gave up the kingdom in selflessness it is also his selflessness that he chose sugriva over vali and turned to be a good friend for sugriva absolutely you know it's a very very important point which you highlighted there saying that you know any dharmic act has to be guided and be decided only based on that selflessness i think the reason why many of us you know question some of these acts is because you know, our idea of selflessness is so contorted and so different you know when we did the satsang on vegetarianism you know the kind of number of people who would say that what about the nutrients you know what about the uh, energy which we get what about vitamin b12 which we get only from uh, meat where is the question of selfishness and selflessness there you know we are already talking about taking a stance where if it is going to benefit me it doesn't matter if i can kill another being you know that's the state we were talking from where can you talk of dharma and when our idea of right and wrong is so contorted and from that point of view we are trying to judge the acts of somebody who says that i'm completely selfless as you said it's it's plain logic why would i choose sugriva over vali in fact that is exactly what vali asks i mean is there a task which sugriva can achieve which i cannot achieve that you chose him over me and you know the beauty of the ramkatha and why dear listeners you can listen to our satsang every week you can download and listen a hundred times but still why you should go back and read the ramkatha because the way swami has worded some of these incidents it's not just a dialogue between vali and lord rama or vali and sugriva but such subtle lessons which swami puts you know in the way vali puts forth his idea you know what beautiful points swami puts forth i just want to read out that part where vali says you know these are vali's words i know that the deeds of the lord should not be interpreted from the common worldly point of the view the lord is above and beyond the gunas attributes that limit and regulate human conduct so his deeds can be understood correctly only when viewed from a position unaffected by emotion passion and prejudice acts done with perfect equanimity can be understood only by perfect equanimity if you are swayed by characteristics and attributes you would naturally see only kindred characteristics and attributes even when they are absent you know, these are vali's words to rama but how true is it when we talk of us judging swami's actions when we viewing swami's role in our own lives and some of swami's uh, whatever he has done in the organization or something like that we always judge only based on our understanding and our likes and dislikes our idea of what is right and wrong and how completely wrong we could be 
not could be we are because the minute we find fault with god it is definite that we are at fault you see when einstein came out with his general and special theory of relativity it caused a kind of flut- not a flutter a hurricane in the scientific world because it was challenging everything till then what was in existence was newton's laws of motions and newton's law of motion works for most of our day to day things you know a car going from one city to other a plane flying all these works but you know einstein's theory started speaking about the contraction of time the dilation of time where time expands and this actually shook the foundation because time is supposed to be constant you know time has a regular right. flow but all this thing that einstein came up with is because of one fundamental difference that he noticed when i say a car is moving at 60 km per hour i am saying it relative to me suppose i am sitting in a car that is traveling at 50 km per hour and going in the same direction as the first car for me that car will seem to be traveling at only 10 km per hour but if i am traveling at 50 km per hour in a car that is going in the direction opposite to that of the first car for me that first car will be traveling at 110 km per hour so einstein came out with this thing called relativity where the motion the speed of something moving depends on the position of the observer now i feel earth is stationary but actually earth is moving if you take sun as stationary the solar system is moving everything in this universe is moving so everything is relative therefore when you say this speed or this time you have to state it saying that this is with respect to my position and my situation so everything is relative and that is what this understanding is what created a revolution in physics even to this day relativity is quite confusing though there are so many videos on youtube to explain relativity it still gets confusing but when you see it you understand that yeah there is something magical in this the same kind of relativity exists in perception also swami says that guru or the master gu stands for gunatita which means beyond attributes beyond the gunas we are all within the gunas either we are tamasic or rajasic or satvic tamasic is often denoted with a black color rajasic is often denoted with a red color and satvic is with a white color whatever be this color imagine it as a kind of glass a red color glass through it when i see everything looks red therefore you know swami would often say that nothing is wrong in srishti it's all in the drishti based on my vision i see something based on somebody else's vision he or she sees something else now when we look at god also we are looking at him through our own kind of these glasses and therefore for one the lord is karuna murti karuna sagara daya sindho for the other the lord is a hard taskmaster for the other he is a one who says test is my taste for the other he is a very cruel being who does not seem to care about anyone but the lord is the same it is these gunas that make us see him differently just like that relativity you know based on our own situation and position we judge something differently and that is what wali says see wali knows that even his vision is colored like that because of his own qualities unless he becomes gunatita like the lord he becomes beyond attributes beyond quality like the lord he cannot understand what the lord is and that is why though he is having that inquisitiveness that curiosity to know what i did wrong what is this it is well cushioned by his humility that lord i know that you can't be wrong i feel in the same way we may not be able to be in that advaitic state but one thing we can definitely we may not reach the soham state but the dasoham state we can definitely have where we always tell ourselves that the lord can't do anything wrong something is wrong which i am unable to see oh lord please open my eyes let me be able to see it enlighten me clear this color that is there in front of my eyes so that i can see the reality because i know the reality is that you are perfect you are truth you are right i feel that is something that we also should learn absolutely because you know some of these things are very cryptically told in some sayings like you know there is this uh, subhashita which says vidya dadati vinayam you know knowledge should give humility and anything any achievement should actually give humility and that's exactly what you see in uh, wali here you know he knows that something is gone amiss i've done something wrong i don't know what is wrong nothing seems wrong even in his own perception he says that what have i done wrong you know you're the one who has come to correct the wrong what have i done wrong as you said then rama explains that these are the mistakes that you did and you being punished for that but uh, the ability to say that i could be wrong there might be something wrong and probably it's not suitable for this discussion but you know even when you talk about those who believe completely in science and question those who believe in god you know i think there was one uh, serial in which i saw there is the scientist who keeps saying that you know nothing is beyond science and everything is either understood 
understood by science or is going to be understood by science and that is when the other character in that serial no, she says that what happened with Newton and Einstein you know till Newton's time in fact there is one very famous quote where a big scientist a Nobel laureate who says that everything that needs to be understood in science has been understood and that was made in something like 1840 or 1880 towards the beginning of 1900 right. actually they were having a, a debate as to whether they can stop physics because everything that needs to be discovered in exactly. physics has been discovered right. and when Einstein and his uh, theory of relativity and then Schrodinger and all this quantum and all came in I mean it was a completely different idea from which they believed until then classical mechanics was had to be revolutionized but even today the scientists say that no no you know everything is within the ambit of science I mean that idea that that humility is absolutely not there that there could be something which is absolutely revolutionary you know which is going to change everything that we've believed in so far I think that is what is lacking and when we speak of Dasoham when we speak about humility when you talk about being able to surrender I think in submission you are opening yourself to much more than when you say that I can achieve it I can know it I can understand it I think that's the beauty of this episode where Wali is saying that I can't know it I don't know it I don't know why you've done it and he says that it may appear wrong even to the future generations but please explain why it was right now when you were speaking about that change that quantum mechanics brought about such a big change it was that today in English dictionaries we have the term called quantum jump <laughs> because it was such a huge jump that it has itself become a word to symbolize a real huge change a quantum leap meaning a huge leap so yes what you said is absolutely true that kind of humility wali had and it is because of that humility that makes wali say that rama i agree with all that you say but you know i don't believe that i am a sinner because rama if i was a sinner how is it possible that i am getting such a blessed death i am being granted death by the supreme master of the universe you oh rama you karuna murti you are conferring this on me is this conferred on everyone no it is conferred only on blessed souls right and i am being conferred that by you so how can this be how can i be a sinner i am not a sinner and hearing these words of love and devotion pouring out of wali rama's heart melts he says oh wali what love is this what devotion is this i have decided that i shall give you back life live on you will not die now i shall give you this life he says and you know i feel what wali says at this point in time is so beautiful that we should always keep in mind it often happens that we come to swami seeking swami swami we want you we want you we want you and finally swami says bangara i am so happy you are my dearest one here take i'll give you a ring and we become so gleeful not realizing that at times it might possibly be a choice saying that when you sought me were you seeking me or were you seeking the blessings that come from my hand that is a satsang we had but here wali is very clear he says rama no wait you may give me back life but you know what the rule of life is that it has to end someday someday and there swami writes that this body is something that is filled with excreta phlegm filth i was reminded of that shloka that swami often says malinuku kampa uh, you know that right. thing describing how body is filled with all ugly dirty fluids so wali says you may give me a life but again some day or the other it has to end today i am getting the opportunity to end it in the best way possible with your darshan with your sparshan with your sambhashan in complete awareness of your divinity in complete advaita i am at peace i don't know if i will be able to end it in this manner so lord please please do me a favor by not giving me life let me be able to end my life at your lotus feet right now right i think this is a very very unique episode which i mean at least i have not come across in the other versions of ramayana where wali makes this prayer that you know this is a blessing which nobody gets not even dashalta had that you know blessing and he says that give me this don't don't take it away and such a beautiful sentiment because he says that you know the entire journey of life swami would say that why we name people after gods why we name our children after you know avatars and krishna mm-hmm. rama because at that last minute at least by mistake you would call out the name of the lord you know die with that feeling that thinking of god so wali says that you know probably if you give me back a life i might go back to my evil ways i might you know go back to my monkey ways but here i'm having the opportunity to look at you and you know i'm forcefully being made to think of you and die you know why would i miss this opportunity and and you know quickly he finishes off all the duties which he has he calls his son angada and he tells rama that here is my son he is the prince i'm interesting him in your custody now he becomes your son you take care of him you guide him in the right way and i'm handing him over to you and uh, you know he, he says that i'm very very happily dying at this moment sugriva is so moved because he's saying that you know i had such enmity and anger against wali but seeing that devotion and that you know the way he is speaking to rama he is in tears and he's feeling very very guilty that oh god i mean just because he hurt me i brought down such a great king he would have been such a great king to the kingdom in fact furthering on this thought sugriva even thinks 
that why is it that when my brother Wali is so noble, I am not been able to see this love and devotion? And he concludes, it's only because of that feeling of revenge and anger that was not only in me, but which was also in Wali. Which covered his Which covered his nobility and goodness. And therefore, Sugriva concludes that qualities like anger, lust, greed are such that they mask just like ash covers up the embers and can even put out embers. So too, the ash of all these qualities can cover the embers of spirituality that are within and, you know, keep you away from it. Now, even as this is happening, Tara comes running, you know, the woman who has now been widowed because her husband is dead and she is wailing. She is wailing inconsolably and she comes and does the perfect right thing, you know. She falls at the feet of Rama and she says, Rama, you have taken away my raksha, my protection. The husband is also called the Natha, is also considered to be the protection for the wife. Says, now he is gone. I don't know what it was. I had warned him. I told him twice. She is very wise. She accepts. She says, it is just the play of destiny that my counsel he didn't heed to and went straight to his death. But he is gone. What about me? I am left behind, O Rama. So please take an arrow. Having killed such a valiant Wali, me and my son, little son, must be nothing for you. Just finish us off also so that we need not suffer and struggle over here. And Rama recognizes that what Tara is wailing over here is just out of her emotion. He knows that she is very, very wise and he therefore addresses her wisdom directly. He gives her the greatest lesson in Advaita. He tells Tara, you yourself are wailing that Wali is gone, Wali is gone. Where has he gone? Here is his body that is lying, right? So you know for sure that Wali is not the body. Because if Wali is the body, you will not wail that Wali is gone, Wali is gone because he is here. So you know that Wali is not the body. Then the Wali is gone whom you are referring to is the Atma. And if you believe that Wali is the Atma, then still it is no reason to wail because the Atma cannot be burnt, cannot be wet, cannot be destroyed. The Atma is eternal forever. So either way, it is not a reason for you to wail. Because if Wali is the body, he is here. Where has he gone? Why are you wailing? If Wali is not the body, he is the soul, then the soul can never be destroyed. It is with Advaita that Rama is able to console Tara. You know, that in itself shows the level of wisdom that Tara embodies because you can't use Advaita to console anyone who is not wise. A person should have already been an Advaitin at heart. That is when in the times of greatest tragedy, you are able to receive that Advaita and get consoled. You tried Prem. If somebody has lost someone dear, you go and tell them it's, it's the person is not dead, it's just the body. You don't worry. <laughs> we will get slapped because unless a person has the Advaita in heart, he or she will not be able to accept Advaita. And the fact that Rama uses Advaita to console Tara and says now is not a time to mourn. Now is the time to finish the funeral, all the rites and then crown Sugriva as the king and look ahead from here. It really shows the wisdom that Wali's wife Tara embodied. Absolutely. In fact, you know what uh, Lord Rama does here is he does two things. You know, whenever we lose a dear one, there are two things which we have to encounter. One thing is our own grief because we are the first ones who are ailing. You know, the person who is dead is dead. There's nothing left with him. But first thing is our grief and our pain of losing that person. And as you said, Rama says that that, you know, gives her the counsel through Advaita, saying that, you know, the body is impermanent and it's just a bundle of the bones and the flesh and the phlegm. And the other thing is, in what state of pain did the other person pass away? You know, with what dejection and with, with what pain the other person passed away? And for that, Rama says that, you know, did you know what were the words Wali said when he passed away? And Rama describes with what satisfaction and with what, what joy that Wali departed. You know, that is the other aspect which he uses to console her, saying that, you know, don't worry that this is the death he died, he very willfully took on death because he knew that this was the best thing that could happen to him. So in both ways he consoles Tara and he says that now go and uh, you know blesses Angada to be the crown prince and he says go and crown Sugriva as the king and he sends Lakshmana along because here he says that the vow that he has taken is he would not enter any city or kingdom because he is uh, he is in exile in the forest. So he sends Lakshmana and Lakshmana goes and crowns Sugriva and uh, you know the ceremonies are done with. And Sugriva decides to take care of Angada as his own son and we shall see that Angada has got major role to play later on also. It is very evident that Sugriva gives all the importance to Angada. Now Rama has fulfilled his promise as a friend to Sugriva where he has you know crowned him and got him back the kingdom. It is time for Sugriva to fulfill his promise to Rama. The promise of helping to search for Mother Sita. But this is that time of the year when the monsoons begin and Sugriva actually says that my search parties, his 
search party is nothing but the monkeys the monkeys will find it difficult to travel on the trees and you know do the search because it's heavy rain season now so sugriva gives a promise to rama that let us rest through the monsoon let us rejuvenate ourselves get our energies and once the monsoon ends we will immediately begin our search rama agrees to it and as you, as you said rama is not ready to enter the kingdom so rama and lakshmana retire to a cave in the outskirts of the kingdom and swami writes that they spend many a days in great divine spiritual wisdom where rama is conferring this wisdom to lakshmana and this is how they spend their time while though swami doesn't describe it in the ramkatha rasavahini in the other ramayana we read that the monkeys revel in this new uh, new found kingdom new found king because they had all retired over to pampa sarovara the sugriva's people they all return back and there's great revelry and merry making in the kingdom they're celebrating the new king and that is what happens at the kishkinda kingdom and this is what happens in the cave and the outskirts of the kishkinda kingdom and that is how the entire monsoon season passes right and it is at the end of this monsoon season the real search for mother sita starts and uh, very very beautiful episodes are there to follow you know there are some characters i think we generally miss or generally don't have a mention of them during the ramayana you know we have the main characters of guha jatayu and sugriva wali but there are some very lesser known characters which play very significant roles and also you know these are the characters which keep calling the attention to the fact that here is god who is incarnated in the human body because as we said that one of the characteristics of this avatar is his uh, you know concealing of his divinity not overly proclaiming that he is an avatar but there are these episodes like we spoke about shabari getting that blessing from her guru that rama will come uh, an avatar will come and you will have the fortune mm-hmm. there are other characters too who get this blessing and who keep reminding the other people in the ramayana that here is god who has come down in human form but dear listeners for that you will have to wait when we will return to the ramakatha satsang we offer this humble effort of ours at swami's lotus feet till we meet you next week this is arvind and prem from team radio science signing off thank you jai sano
Ram. You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 22nd October 2015. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashant Nilayam.